Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about taking kids deer hunting. It's going to be a fun episode. We have some great memories, but we're going to share really everything there is to consider from what weapons to use, where to go, how to do it, so that maybe everyone listening feels prepared enough to go give it a try. But before we get into all of that, we do need to give thanks. This past weekend, Brian and I took our kids out camping, and it was awesome. Had a great time. Yes, um, it was. Not going to spend – we could do a whole podcast on yeah, all the we things could. we did. Yeah. Um, but my thanks actually comes from when I got back home. Um, when I got back home, I don't know what it was other than just being home just felt good. It was my home, my stuff, my bed, my comforts, you know. And so that's really just – I'm so thankful that I have a home and – things that are comfortable to me that I can come back to. Yeah, that, that really is nice. Well, uh, my thanks has to do with our little trip that we took too. Um, you know, it is hard for men, and I'm going to try to break that mold a little bit here. It is hard for men to share feelings about other men. And I mean that in the most biblical way possible. And what I mean is it is hard to find true friends in this world and what i mean by that is people that you can count on had a little incident pulled my boat trailer Mm -hmm. when we got to the campground i realized i had popped a band in one of my boat trailer tires i mean the tire looks like an s like you can still roll on it but it looks like i didn't know if it was my bearings axle what was going on but that thing was not right Mm -mm. before we left to pull out and go home took spare off put that on took the broken tire off Thanks to the people at the campground that let me borrow their four-way to, nice. to get that changed out because mm-hmm. two different size nuts, you know, everything has to be harder than, than it needs to be, right? <laughs> Our drive home from Arkansas back to Missouri was so windy and steep. I mean, it is like the epitome of Ozark Mountain Roads. And beautiful. It's beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. especially during the fall, but uh, probably pretty hard <laughs> on a set of tires and especially with, with some weight back there and... So, got all the way off those windy roads, passed you. You stopped in one of the little towns we were passing through. Uh, you guys wanted to finish your, your vacation off or your trip off with a, a good meal. Oh, yeah. Passed you, gave you the old honk, and about a half hour later as I got to the main highway, uh, yeah, going full speed down the highway, down a big hill, as I got to the bottom, felt really rough, almost like my trailer was hitting the rumble strips. And I look back and I can see all the tread off my tire flying through the air. Like almost panic. My son's sleeping in the back. It's dark now. Just want to, you know how when you're done camping, you're just so tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like 15 minutes from home. I just want to get home. Well, I try to kind of get off the highway, but it's like a bridge. So there's not a full shoulder there. So I half get off the road and I'm looking back and I have no tread. It's just the tube of the tire left and the out, like the outside walls. Mm-hmm but there's still air in it and it's not flat. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep rolling until I can maybe get to a safe place. 
roll, roll up. The shoulder gets bigger. I'm in the left lane, so I'm able to fully get off the road, which the stinking people behind me were not backing off at all. It was almost right. like they were just pushing me, like, get out of the way. And I want to say, did you not even... just see my tire no. fly over your car? They had no idea what happened. <laughs> no. So I finally get off the road. Thank, genuinely thank the Lord that my tire held together enough that I could go across that bridge and start to go up the next hill. Right. Got over to the left, and as I look over to the right, there's an entrance to actually one of the state parks here locally. And so you've got a big, flat, wide turnaround, like off the highway, easy to get to, much, much safer. It's nighttime. People are driving. I literally saw some sport cars go by probably doing 100 miles an hour. Like people are hauling. Yeah. I wanted to get out of there. I got my five-year-old son with me. All I could think about was how do I get safe right now? Wait, finally get my gap, pull across the highway into that entrance, and I call you. And you say, hey, how's it going? Did you make it home? And I said, nope, blew the other tire out. And you said, oh, no. Oh, no. But even almost like in that same breath, I hear you while on the phone ask your waitress to box your food up. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, good. They're about done. They're they're about done. So that worked out really good. And then you're like, all right, what do you need? And I said, well, I'm going to need a four-way. See if you can find a place to buy a four-way. So you bought me a four-way. Well, this is on a Sunday. This is I didn't realize there was a wasn't Sunday much after open. dark. Yeah, there, yeah. The most like close at like noon or four. So I'm you were able that, to find it. Yeah, which I still owe you money for. So I better square up with you after that. Yeah, but. I can't wait for it. Yeah, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> we always need a little more. Anyway, he starts making his way to me. He calls me like, "What's the plan?" Your wife comes to pick up my son because he's tired, and we just want to get him home safe. Don't really know if I'm going to have to put the broken tire on there to tow tow home or if your spare tire that's on your boat trailer with you is going to work mm-hmm. don't really know what the plan is so your wife comes picks up my son which is just a huge blessing that i was thankful for um, you finally make it there and i see you and your son get out and you've got your boxes oh yeah and i was like well how was your how was your supper i asked your son and he kind of grinned at me and i was like well what'd you get and he said a ribeye steak i said well did you get to eat it and he goes one bite you guys had just gotten ribeye steaks and taken one single bite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we literally at the same time, we cut it, we took a bite, and we're like, that was good. And we he got to mess with salt and pepper, and you called. But you came to me. Yeah. With a four-way. You let me take the spare tire off your boat trailer, oh, yeah. put it on my boat trailer, and let me go home. And your wife picked up my son. So the moral of the story is, Get you a friend <laughs> that will leave one bite into a fresh ribeye steak after camping to come help you stranded on the side of the road. Because I might have just sat there and finished my steak and then come help you. I'm going to tell you that. So if you don't have a friend that will leave a ribeye steak to come yeah. help you, yeah. you need to find some new friends. So maybe check in with them. Say, hey, would you leave? Ask a friend. Think about who's closest to you. Ask them, hey, would you leave a fresh ribeye after one bite to come help me? If they say no, well, then get rid of them. No, the, I'm just kidding. The waitress was actually really nice because uh, I was on the phone with you, and, and yeah, I knew, you'd, I knew you needed help. I, I was actually worried that you were closer to the edge of the road than you were. You right, know? yeah. No, God really took care of me. That I'm, yeah. First, I'm very thankful for that, but then I'm thankful genuinely to have a friend like you well, that I could count on really at the drop of the hat. And there's been several times in life where we've exchanged, hey, man, I'm in dire straits. Can you come help me? Um, but it is yeah. nice to have a few people like that in your life to count on. It just it just makes going through life easier. It doesn't make those things not happen, right. but it helps getting through them. And I, and I think that is truly 
a gift of God. He was, he came to serve. And, and so to have people in your life that are willing to serve you is awesome. So thank you for helping me out. And, and bet, thanks man. to God for, for giving me a good Absolutely. friend. Absolutely. Yep. You too. So taking kids deer hunting. The reason we want to talk about this in this episode today is this weekend. So uh, the day this comes out, I guess in, in two days, is youth deer season. Our state, like many states, actually have a separate season just for youth. I right. think it's, uh, is it 15? Correct me if I'm wrong. You have to be 15 six, or under. Yeah, 6 to 15 years. 6 to 15 age. years old. Uh-huh. You get a separate weekend where all the adults cannot hunt. What's awesome in our state is it usually lines up really good with the beginning of the rut. Correct. So it's usually like yes. the best weekend to go. It's like when you see the biggest deer. Yeah. They like, might be a week early this year. They might be, but it's usually like a really good week to go hunting, obviously, right. depending on the weather. But they get that weekend, just youth. That's coming up. You're taking your son for the first time. Mm-hmm. Many memories from when I was a youth of when they actually, I can remember when they first started having youth season. It was when we were kids. You might have actually been too old. See, I don't know when it started. I'd have to you, look that you up. Might have, yeah. eh, you were probably right there at that cutoff. Anyway, we want to share that because we believe it's a great, great outdoor activity, outdoor uh, learning. There's so much that can take place yes. from, from deer hunting and great memories that can made, family bonding, physical health, mental health. There's so many benefits. So we want to share how to do it. Maybe some things that you have questions about or some things that you haven't considered. So first and foremost... Why even take kids hunting to begin with? Well, you know, <laughs> something that you just taught me an hour ago. <laughs> you know, I know and I knew that people don't always know where their food comes from. They don't. I mean, let's just say it that way. They don't. There's some things that I don't know. I I didn't realize there's a difference between uh, shrimp and uh, what's the other? Uh, it's not even a shrimp, but it looks like it. And they sell it as a, shrimp. A prawn? Maybe, yeah. I saw there was a comparison Is it going prawn around. Prawn or preen or yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> there are things that I don't know about all the food that I eat. Right, like yeah. even some of this new catfish that's coming in, I always like wonder like, well, what is this catfish texture? Look, it is a little different than the catfish I catch out mm-hmm. of my lakes. But at the end of the day, I know the difference between French fries yeah. and steak. <laughs> yeah. And you were telling me that there are some people that don't. Right. I, so, and it it depends on the demographic of kids. Right. Obviously, you typically more rural living kids understand where their food comes from because they see it more. They're around farming, and a lot of times they have either family or friends that are that are farmers. But a lot of urban environments, children or even adults don't understand where their food comes from. Um, and I do I do think that there is an issue with that much disconnect because it can tie into even so much climate change, people start wanting to indoctrinate and, yeah. and all these other topics because we, simple is not knowing where food comes from. So simply hunting, I mean, what better way to get a full understanding of there is life. Correct. It has to end for me to have meals. Yeah. Um, and and the, that it's okay, but also the whole process that goes along with it. But So the, food one cycles of the, and life cycles are are easily taught right by doing this correct and, and and then you can even get into the conservation side okay is it okay for us to be harvesting deer well yeah if we don't it's worse for the the rest of the deer correct so we need to be harvesting in missouri it's kind of a rough number but missouri hovers around 1.2 million deer 
in the state. And we harvest almost 30% of that, a little less than 30% of that each year, yet there's still that much recruitment, about 30% recruitment. So there's still 1.2 million. A deer herd doubles in size every three years. So could you imagine if we completely stopped hunting and that kept doubling, kept doubling, we're up to six, seven, eight, nine million deer? Well, the school bus wouldn't even be able to go down the road without hitting deer on every turn. Right. It wouldn't be safe. The deer wouldn't be healthy. You'd certainly get to a point of carrying capacity and all the deer would start dying of disease and starvation. So conservation is using the resource wisely. So we know biologists it's, it, in state agencies know harvesting that 300 to 350,000 deer each year helps us keep our deer population healthy and feeds a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's, it is conservation. It's a perfect picture of it. Yeah. Some other reasons why is because if our kids don't learn how to, then that 30% will stop. Yes. I mean, that's why. Like, we mm-hmm. need our youth to continue on um, for conservation, but also for traditions as well. I mean, uh, yeah. the, we've talked in many podcasts in the past of how our fathers, grandfathers, um, grandmothers, different people in our lives have taken us out hunting. Uh, mothers have taking us out outdoors and how those traditions need to continue. Some others that I'd want to add is honestly the self-reliance side that, that as we teach youth how to hunt, they can go do it if they ever really needed right. to. Right. That to me is, is one of the most powerful. Um, yeah. My main meal in college was venison that I had harvested in ramen noodles. <laughs> you, yeah. Well, but it's, it's also because it saves you money. Yeah. It like it is cheaper yeah. in the long haul. I think it'd be better for for anyone to learn how to butcher their own meat. Like mm-hmm. that would be the best cost savings for them. But even if they just harvest it and took it to a butcher, it still is more cost effective by doing that and, and, and really harvesting enough throughout the whole year. And you know where the food came and from. And you, you know, know it's never had any hormones, antibiotics, right, medicines, anything put into it. And there is some real gratification in going through the whole process of harvesting to eating. Yeah. There yeah. really is. No, there really, really is. And I think that's where then the responsibility lies. Like there is a responsibility that can be taught within hunting. Mm-hmm. And it is the conservation side. It is the the traditional side. It's everything that wraps really responsibility is the the core of all that, that we want to use it wisely. Right. Then once we do harvest it, we are processing it wisely and correctly. We're not wasting everything that we've we've mm-hmm. harvested here. And then how do you store it for the long term? Because yeah. you're not eating that that entire thing in one Even month. Even all the way down to how do you cook it? And the safety side of hunting in general. Like there's just so much responsibility from firearm safety to where am I? Can yeah. I hunt here publicly or privately? And and there's just a lot of responsibility that can be taught to our youth in this. And on top of that, hunting is a physical sport. You usually have to hike, hunt, drag, do all these, climb. It is good to be physically active. Nobody's going to argue that. So Correct. you're getting your kids outdoors. They're getting physically active. You're also going to toughen them up a little bit because yeah. you're going to have to deal with the weather, whether it's too hot, too cold, little rainy. You're going to deal with those things as well. And I think that's great for kids. And it also is also shown to get away from all the devices to get outdoors and be part of nature with, especially with an, a, an adult, a guardian, a parent, it's good for their mental health. Uh, yeah. It's, it's almost like a mental reset too. at times yeah. when you, um, one more add is, is because you are taking your youth, there's also that bonding that occurs. Mm. It is you and whomever that person is. It right. could be, it could be your cousin, nephew, uh, it could be your son or daughter, uh, your niece. It, we're talking about youth 
you know, I am so thankful. I'll add one more thanks that my uncles took me hunting and fishing, all of them. Uh, all my you uncles. only get one thanks in episode. Because, <laughs> because without them, I wouldn't be sitting here talking about hunting on this podcast. Redact that be. statement. Redact <laughs> that statement. One thing. <laughs> so, yeah, the, that bonding is, is so, I think, instrumental to it as well. It, it's so important. And you make memories that will literally stick with you for life. And we'll share some some here to end with. But also, if so many children and people don't know where their food comes from, eventually there's not going to be food if we continue that trend because we have to have hunters, fishermen, and farmers growing and harvesting the food for the people who don't know where it comes from to have food. I mean, there's no way around that. So we do have to pass it on. Yeah. Um, and if you have the ability to go do it, you have the desire to, to bond with your children and take them to do this. If they have the desire to go do it, then then let's do that. Let's Even if you weren't a hunter, you can go through the pains and the battles of listening to podcasts and watching YouTubes and getting out there and doing it. And you're, you're probably going to be more rewarded than your child is even. So so kudos to you for, for those parents and guardians that are going to take those kind of tough steps out of the comfort zone to do that. And for parents that have been taking their youth for years now and are continuing to, I want to challenge you with with a little bit more of really start focusing in on life skills and start adding in, uh, let's just say, patience, um, confidence, um, endurance, even like discipline, not, not the discipline type where it's um, do this or else. It is... Um, understand the art of discipline to be able to set quietly mm-hmm. and diligently, right? So, like, there's a lot of character that can be learned through hunting because majority of the time, like, my experiences of hunting are really setting and doing nothing. Right. I mean, like, it isn't like I'm seeing thousands of deer and I'm harvesting thousands of deer. It's yeah. it's a whole season sometimes I come away with two. It's a choice, my choice, but... We we are leaving out. We're probably touching on like five percent of what can actually be learned from yeah, hunting. We're leaving out correct. so much of it. It it, yeah. it is very very impactful. Um, I, the other day I was watching TV, and I I just want to kind of hit home this point, like that people are losing touch with where their food is sourced. This these were adults. A man said to a woman that his main source of protein in his diet is from birds, and she was like floored. Where do you shop? (laughs) What in the world? How do you get birds? (laughs) She was genuinely, she could not figure out where he shopped. Is it Whole Foods? Where do you get birds from? And he's like laughing, what the heck? And he goes, well, I eat chicken and turkey. Right. And then the woman was like, oh, I thought you meant like pigeons and stuff. It did not occur in her mind that chicken and turkey are Birds. birds. That is meat from birds. But you can actually This is an adult woman. It would be, I think she should have said like, you know, parakeet or... Maybe she did. I don't know. But I couldn't think of all the examples she said, but she was not connecting that chicken and turkey are birds and that you can go to the store and that somebody had to to raise those and harvest them. Pretty wild uh, that that that's where that is. That adults... Are that disconnected that they don't know where their food's coming from? Well, that that is the quick. That's and a quick some answer. of the kids like, in the studies yeah. think that potato, that French fries right. come from animals. That's because their parents either are not teaching them, or they're getting misinformation from mm. from another adult from like, from some source. Yeah, y'all just say YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, I want to kind of talk about how to 
start preparing for a hunt. If you you've made that decision, all right, Ben and Brian, you've convinced me. Need to take need to take my kid hunting. It is going to be some work. I'm going to tell it you, will. it's going to be some work. You right. need to do it the right way. Uh, we're going to kind of go through how to prepare for that. But I, I, one thing I want to share for maybe someone that has access to land but doesn't have a kid to take, post it on social media and ask. I saw someone the other day post, hey, I have access to a lot of areas to go hunt. My kids are too young to hunt. I am willing to take someone, reach out to me, and I will take your kid hunting. Thought that was so cool. Really don't know cool. if something's set up. I'm guessing probably so. Right. But maybe even if you don't want to take your kid, ask around. I bet you can find someone that will go. Hunters love to hunt, whether they're harvesting or not. I personally love watching someone else harvest more than I like harvesting myself, especially a child for the first time. So ask around. I bet you can find someone that will. Um, if you have access, then you ask around. Hey, do you have a kid? That I, that I can take hunting, and and then you really need to get into these next steps of of how to prepare. Yeah, I mean, you know, how to prepare is knowing what you can or should not do or cannot do. Right? I think in my breakdown, uh, we talked about location. Once you find a place, that's going to help you to know if you're going to be hunting on public or private land. And once you know that, then you got to make sure that you are then following the law from there on out. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, here in Missouri, in states. It can be different in Missouri. The child that you're wanting to take deer hunting on this weekend has to be between the ages of six and 15. Now, if they were going to go out and hunt by themselves, they would have to have a hunter's education card. They'd have to complete the, the hunter's ed basically. Yeah, it's a class. It's a class. And the, from six to 15, they can still go hunt this weekend without a hunter education. Yep. As long as they are accompanied by a an adult that has completed their hunter's right. education, they're considered an apprentice. Yes, and so you just make for sure that you know what your regulations are in your state mm-hmm. and that you're following them. Which then leads to once you have your hunter education, you've got to ensure that you have your permits. Right. So well, whether you're hunting or as an apprentice or you have your hunter's education, you still have to buy a permit to harvest the deer. Correct. Right. Yeah, and we call them tags. Yeah. So you, you have to have tags to then go out and hunt and, and take them on. So it doesn't take a lot of time to do research on this. If if you've never been deer hunting before, um, then yeah, you need to find state, somebody. Whatever that, state you're in, mm-hmm. just type your state's name and, and right. put deer hunting regulations. So we're in Missouri, Missouri deer hunting regulations. Probably the first link that pops up is the one you if, want to Because if you're on. the parent that's wanting to take them and you haven't completed these steps, then yeah. you can't you can't take them. Or so. stop at the closest gas station and they probably have a stack of the, the printed regulations still on, on the counter. Yeah, and here in Missouri, you have to, to get your hunter's ed. You have to sign up for it. Then you have to study and pass your online course. Then you have to really complete the additional state requirements, which are a few. And then you go out hunting. So I know that sounds really short right. because it really it didn't take that long. Um, within a day, you could actually get this done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely you know one thing that i love to add in um when when talking about taking kids hunting is don't make them go if you ask them and they say nah not really or you can't build up enough of a compelling st- uh, story of what it's going to be like and they just don't want any part of it don't make them go because right you're probably going to kind of disenfranchise them. Odds are, whenever you're asking them, they're probably just not there yet. Keep letting it be part of your lifestyle. Keep showing them 
teaching them about it without actually going. And then eventually when they ask or when you bring it up again and they seem interested, take them. And the reason I say that is it isn't going to be fun for you. It isn't going to be fun for them. And all of, not all of that, most of the benefits that we've talked about that are going to be coming from it are going to go out the window when you are dragging somebody kicking and screaming out there to go hunt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's correct. You know, which that kind of leads into then. I bring it up because I've seen it. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. That leads then into though, those that want to go, you can't just say, all right, let's go and you throw them in the truck. You've seen that too. You really need to make sure you take several days at least, but for sure one solid day of practice first. Well, adults should be practicing. Adults shouldn't just go grab a rifle and go. Adults should be practicing, but I have, and I know people, we're talking about six-year-old. A six-year-old can legally go pull the trigger on a high-powered firearm that can harvest a deer. Correct. That just hand it to them and say, shoot. Well, that isn't fair to the kid. It isn't fair to the animal. Right. It isn't fair to all the other people that are out there doing it the right way. Maybe the other people that are hunting around you. It isn't respectful. It isn't safe. So do your due diligence. Take the extra time. Go to the range. Let them shoot. Make sure they are proficient with the weapon that they have, which leads me into the next. What is a good rifle for young kids to be shooting? Because some of them are way too high-powered in I wouldn't do that to your kid either. Yes. So you so far you talk about don't make them go, let's practice, and then what do we need to, to kind of take? My son, he's eight. Two years ago, I've asked him to go hunting, and he didn't want to go. Yeah. But that year I actually brought home, as this, one of the smallest doe I think I've ever harvested. I think that's when it was. <laughs> but I brought it home, and I hung it up in the garage. And that really sparked his interest. He watched me skinning it. He watched me butchering it, the whole process, right? And that got him wanting to go. The next year, age seven, asked him again. He wanted to, but actually I was hesitant because yeah. I didn't spend really any time teaching how to shoot. We right. didn't work on shooting. Now he's eight. So I think you did take him, though. He just didn't allow him to hunt. That is true. You let yes. him sit. Yes, you. we sat. But he was, it wasn't time to pull the trigger. Right. That is correct. And so then this year, we've actually been practicing shooting. Mm-hmm. And I How's, took him How to did range. he do? So what we're using, um, an AR-15. That's the platform we're using. Yeah, what caliber? Uh, 223. Um, Which is, in Missouri, the smallest legal caliber of rifle to take deer hunting. But, but you cannot use a full metal jacket. You correct. have to use an Some expanding. Some type of mushrooming, yes, uh, expanding. Yes, And bullet. so make for sure you're purchasing the correct. Remember earlier we talked about really reading up on your regulations, knowing what's <clears> allowed <throat> in your state. And you want to do that because full metal jackets yeah, full metal, go right through, are, yeah. are not effective at, at a fatal, fatally... Uh, causing fatal injury to the animal and so you one you want to recover it and you want to be ethical and you want to absolutely you actually want to harvest the animal not just injure it right and so now that we're getting ready to go this weekend um he shot his first group really 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 well yeah like he was hitting he hit three of like i'll say the six within a half dollar and the rest within a smaller than a pie plate like Really good, like comfortable enough that I feel he can shoot. But the longer that we shot, the worse and worse. Kind of and tired worse him got. out. It, yeah. it was. And I realized that's when I learned by taking and being with my son and, and helping teach and learn. Now, see, yeah, you t- how much you learned from I taking learned. him shooting, yeah. I actually went and bought him a shooting stick mm. because, well, he's a scrawny little dude. He's yeah. strong-willed, but he's he's just scrawny. And he has a hard time holding that heavy end of the gun up um, for that long. So getting is something where it's he can comfortably shoot off of 
And then also then helping him to understand how to use um, the scope. Yeah. Uh, he had a really hard time finding that focal plane or, or where that your eye really like when you bring your eye up and you no longer see that black and you can see the full, full view. It took a while to figure out where that's at for him. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to teach him that where his cheek needed to go to help him to, to find that quickly. But yeah, it was great. It's been great shooting with him. Um, a, a quick tip that, that I'm going to do again is now that I've got a stick, he's going to shoot his 22 with a scope. We're going to shoot that 22, probably a good 20, 25 times just to re- like, to remember how to use a scope again. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to move back in the AR-15 and let him take a good five to maybe 10 shots to see that group to make sure he's feeling good before we go hunt one more yeah. time. But I think doing a 22, I probably should have maybe start off with a 22 before we did the AR to, re- to learn how to use that scope um, before jumping to a, a AR and doing all of our shots. Through so it. for for those listening that have smaller children in that six, seven, eight, nine-year-old range, mm-hmm. How was that caliber 223 oh, for him on that platform? Because of there's just no kick, right? It was just nothing. It was perfect. Okay. Uh, the only thing I wish I didn't make him hurt or no. We oh. we I think he shot. Uh, he went through a whole. He went through 20. He went through a whole box on his yeah, own. 20 rounds. Um, 20 rounds. And uh, and I think he did five more. I did some five five six in there and let him shoot that just to see. So he he shot like 25 rounds by the yeah. time we were done. But the pistol, uh, excuse me, the uh, trigger pull, um, because mine's just basically a commercial, it's yeah. not mil spec like it probably should be. Um, the trigger is that poundage is pretty pretty, pretty strong. It, yeah. yeah, if I could if I could bring down like I think mine's like probably around five is like two and a half or something. That would be probably more beneficial for him. But otherwise, he can use two fingers. One really good, and as we shot more and more, he kind of got to that too. Right. But he was able to to safely shoot in that firearm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's great. I think for, uh, there's other calibers too. Uh, another great one is 243. 243, yeah. That's great. Uh, for me was 3030, which is maybe even a little bit more up kick in that. But some of those smaller, uh, effective deer calibers, you, you can look those up. Start getting up into some of those larger 277 mag, 30-06. There's so many different calibers. 300 win mag. Those really are just too big oh, for yeah. kids. I mean, yeah. if if it is recoiling and kicking you as an adult, don't set a kid up for failure by giving that to them. If you need to borrow a gun, ask around. Guns are expensive, so if you don't have the right caliber, ask around. I'm sure someone probably has one. What you will find with kids is that people are very willing. Um, like, if They're you just wouldn't ask, hey, can I borrow that? They might say no, but if, you, hey, can my child borrow that? I'm taking right. Right. You might you might have better odds of them actually saying yes, and you might need to go buy the the rounds of ammunition and then yeah. use their gun. Right? And maybe buy them buy them an extra box for for letting you borrow that. Two things that make that, sure it's clean when you give it back. Yes, do yeah, yeah. clean it. Uh, leave it better than you found it for sure. Um, eye protection and ear protection. Yeah, make for sure. Don't I don't care what caliber it is. Make for sure you're ha- you know putting those on the ear protection for any of those. Mm-hmm. I mean when it comes off. Just because it doesn't hurt their shoulder, when your ears are ringing, it's no fun. Right. For, it isn't no fun. So make for sure you have the proper ear protection, whether you're putting it in the in-ear or you're getting the new outer ears electronic, yep. E-style. <clears throat> um, yep. Get ear protection. Make sure you're putting that on your kids. Safety equipment is more, yeah, even more important than the equipment that you're yeah, using. But absolutely. use some of those smaller cal- calibers. The The top two I would recommend for kids to go would be the 223 first, and then I would say the two. 43 after that make sure you are getting a hunting ammunition a a 
mushrooming bullets. It's required. It's required. Make sure that you are. It's ethical. It's required. You want to follow the law, and you want to successfully harvest the game. Uh, a successful harvest is going to mean even more than than just going. It's it uh, really really sends all these messages and things that we're talking about home to your child. Past your tool that you're using to harvest, past your gun, um, clothes. Oh, you know what? We should talk about archery. We should probably touch on archery before we get into to the other gear because some people watch their parents use bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. archery equipment over and they just want especially boys they just want to be like dad they yeah. just want to be like dad or or maybe a little girl sees her mom uh there's a lot of really really good archers that are women these days sees sees uh mom or i know a lot of little girls that love eva shockey like they that's like her they hero do, yeah their their hero well, and, even and in aspen the schools there's a lot yeah, of aspen opportunities schools, for a lot more boys archers and now. girls to shoot yeah and yeah, girls can shoot very. So very maybe well, they want to fire. do archery. Yeah, they need to be able to pull back at least forty pounds with an upright compound bow before they can go harvest a deer with it. With that bow, they need to be able to Correct. pull back forty pounds. If they cannot, there's still the option of a crossbow. Right. Because the parent can cock the crossbow, and in a lot of states, I think actually pretty much all states that that white-tailed deer are hunted now. A crossbow can be used during archery season, and archery equipment can always be used during rifle or any firearm season as long as you're using a firearm permit. But you can still use archery equipment. So maybe that's maybe that's an option that your family wants to go. Usually that's a little more serious. It takes a little more. It's harv- harder to harvest the animal. But we love we love bow hunting. I prefer it over, over rifle for sure. But make sure that you are taking equipment that is effective to kill the animal you're mm-hmm. not going out there with a 25 pound bow because that's all they can pull back correct no that's that, yes a lot of people when we go out and teach archery you and i brian a lot of people will be like oh is that is this your hunting bow yeah where they're pulling back like a, a 11 pound yeah bow. it's like an 11 pound bow yeah. and like no this is just this is one you could go get from walmart this yeah. is just an practice. educational bow just yeah. to practice and learn the basics and so it, it is important to to know the rules before you go yeah i think the heaviest we have that we teach with is like 15 pounds so maybe you might be able to go maybe go get a rabbit with it or something but yeah maybe that that would be about it <laughs> i think i could throw a rock probably harder. probably harder than it shoots right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make, make so a boomerang and... th- those are those are not it like those right. are practice bows there's tons of models of those great way to introduce your kids but make sure they understand it is practice and you have to get up into this this forty pound hunting world, uh, and, and typically kids are like twelve years old or older before they get right, to that point. Just, right. I mean, obviously there's exceptions, but typically it's around teenage before they're strong enough to do that. Yeah, you know, six year olds probably not going to be able to do that, right? But no, you never know. There's that one exception, that one one kid that's just <laughs> stronger than the rest, and he makes it happen. Yeah. So, um, know your kids, know the kids that you're taking, and plan accordingly for yep. that. Well, I want to touch on the other gear from the shoes to the clothes they're wearing. Take some time. Go to Goodwill. You'd be amazed what you can find hunting-wise at Goodwill for awesome prices. I mean, name brand stuff. Yeah. If you want to order, let them pick and order, and you have the financial capability to do that, that's great too. But Goodwill is an awesome place to start. But I want you to know it is important for your kids to have good gear. 
don't put them in five layers of cotton and send them out on a dewy, cold, 40-degree morning and expect them to be comfortable and have fun and want them to go back out there with you. Yeah, define good gear because what you're talking about here is a little different than what people might identify as good gear. Good gear is not what's being marketed. Right. Right. Just because you see it, the cool, really cool Right. You can go to Walmart and get good gear. Well, Walmart's really got high quality gear still. That is good gear. But you can go to Goodwill and still find good gear. So what you're talking about is the type of materials that we're sending kids out It doesn't even necessarily have to be hunting clothing. I'm going to say that in quotations. Yes. Our sons have black snow pants. Well, here's regulation. You are required of what to wear is an orange hat and an orange vest. During firearm. And what I mean by orange, not pumpkin orange, but... Hunter orange. Hunter orange, which is more of a... A very bright, bright orange. Yeah, it's fluorescent orange. That, fluorescent, that's yeah. what I was looking for. It is required. It is a must. High so is. Even if, even if you have the world's best camo or all you have are synthetic pants and a synthetic sweatshirt. Right. You can wear whatever you want to in regards to the law as long as you are wearing an orange hat and an orange vest. Yes. Hunters. Yes. Orange. Hunters. Orange. That's something you have to find. And so... In clothing, you're going to get on the marketing side where everyone teaches you have to wear camouflage. Oh, yeah. But for my son, we have a little bit of camouflage, but honestly, you can make your own camouflage when you get outdoors from cutting cedar limbs to mm-hmm. piling up some leaves. There are things you can do. If you're worried, I don't have enough money to buy all this equipment, this gear, this clothing to yeah. go out, you can still do it. And really just stay away from bright colors. Stay away from blues. Yes. Stay away from red. red. Yeah, yeah, bright. Stay away from bright colors. Right. Deer do see color different than we see color. Um, but if you can go stick with some neutrals, some black, brown, grays, yep. you're going to be all right. I mean, you're wearing bright orange over the top of it. Correct. Anyway, like you're going to be all right. Don't think you have to go spend tons of money when you already have some winter clothes. I just don't want... I see so many people put their kids in in Here's cotton, my old stuff. cotton bibs and overalls that have holes in the knees, or this is their old stuff, and they try to roll the sleeves up. And I understand sometimes that's all you have, but it isn't, one, it's probably not going to keep them very warm if it's cold. Two, they're not going to be comfortable if they're cold and they're wearing oversized clothes or too small clothes. I can remember wearing full-length overalls. Right. And I had had a growth spurt. They were cotton, polyfill with with cotton. I mean, mm-hmm. they were just they were awful, mm-hmm. and they were too small. <laughs> and so they were riding up, you know where. Yeah. And I couldn't even pull them over my boots because their legs were way too short, and I wasn't comfortable. I couldn't sit down. I wasn't warm. I was ticked that I was even wearing them, but in my mind, I felt like this is the warmest thing I have, and it's camouflage. But knowing what I know now, I could have just layered up. I could have layered up with a base layer and two or three pairs of, of polyester uh, sweatpants, and I would have been more comfortable, I would have been more warm, and I would right. have been better off. Right. I think with all that said, let's make a clarification. If I'm going bow hunting and I'm trying to get a 15-yard shot and the rut isn't even in yet, like I'm going to have to probably 
really think about yeah camo up paint camo your face. up paint my face how I look against this tree my shadow all the stuff yeah and my sky lined up here Correct. you have to consider all that stuff I don't yeah. want a listener to be like oh well, they don't know what they're talking about not like, saying not to consider those yes. things but I want I don't want you to feel like you have to go spend five hundred dollars on on kids sick gear that they're going to grow out of before next season to take them hunting it is not required and you don't have to have it to even be effective. Because when the rut starts, it does change a lot. It changes a lot. They they can still smell you, yes, and that may impact. But at some point, especially during this weekend, usually here for us, when that rut starts, takes that really starts kicking off. These deer are so stupid <laughs> that honestly, this is a great time. Uh, the next weekend or is it the next? I don't know. When I was a kid, when my grandpa would go hunting, he he was smoke cigarettes. He said they were smoking his cigarettes while he was hunting. Yeah. Like the point is, is get out there. Get into the woods. You're yeah. gonna see some deer. Get your get your kids some some double layer wool socks. Try yep. to get them some warm shoes. Help I can remember going warm. in single walled, yeah. worn out rubber, rubber boots. boots. Oh, those are the my coldest. Feet just hurt so bad. I didn't even want to be there. I didn't even care if I killed a deer right. because my feet hurt so bad. I just want to go stick them in a bowl of warm soup. Like <laughs> I just right. take care of your kids on that gear side. And my message I really want to get across is. If you want to buy the awesome expensive gear, nothing wrong with that. If you can't, there are options. Use what you got or go to Goodwill. Walmart definitely has options and some a lot of it's pretty affordable. It is. Yeah, they've done a great job of helping families with that. Yeah. Now that we've talked about that gear, I think it's important to talk about some things that I have done with my son that I want to prepare him for before we go. Number one is what do you want to hunt? So if my son's thinking we're going bear hunting, or we're going deer hunting, that ain't cool. Yeah. So this kind of narrows down to setting the expectations of what are we doing? What's the plan? But this shouldn't be, I don't think, this shouldn't be the first time that your son or daughter is going into the woods. Your first day of taking them out to hunt, I don't believe should be the first day that they are out in the woods. Right. So make for sure that you are taking them to the place you're hunting first or at least get them out into the wilderness somewhere into the woods somewhere that looks similar to where you're going right so that that can become comfort for them yes because if you're going triple layers deep into this yeah. stretch zone they're gonna be panicked yeah if they're not even comfortable being in the woods and then you're giving them a rifle put them in the tree stand telling them they're about to kill something they're not even gonna be able to think so yeah, yeah get them out in that environment before you go so that they're comfortable and excited about being out there and then you can add that next step of being a hunter. Yes. And because of all of these different and new things, they are going to be going through a lot of emotions, a lot. You as the parent need to be ready that when they do harvest one or they miss, mm-hmm. both causes crazy emotion. Yeah. I think it's better to talk about those things before they happen. You should. Let That's... them know what is about to happen. Correct. When you do pull this trigger, if you hit where you're aiming, you are taking a life. You are killing something. You are. And there's emotion that comes with it. And if you they have no emotion, yeah. <laughs> then maybe you need to check yourself. Yeah. But that is what I'm trying to share. Prepare them, set the expectations, let them know what's happening, make your plans and prepare them for what they may experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I love to involve them in the whole process. You've already talked about all the practice and the shooting. If they're mm-hmm. pulling the trigger, involve them in the whole process. Absolutely. Take them down. Let them be part of the field dressing. At least let them see it and learn about it. If yep. they are willing to help in the process or they want to help in the process, let them help field dress it. Help, Let them help drag the deer. It may be worse 
for you. It may be easier for you just to drag it out by yourself, load it up, but involve them. They are there. They want to be there. Involve them in that whole process. When you get home, let them help you butcher the deer, teach them about it, answer all their questions. Even if it takes you longer, answer all the questions. View this as like the best classroom, the best learning that they could ever have over school, over anything. Let them learn the entire process. Teach them teach them uh, what God says about hunting and, and eating animals. Teach them, open the Bible and show them verses uh, that talks about the process that you just went through because it's all in there. Yeah, that's a really good point, Brian. That, which the Bible has answers for everything, doesn't it? Um, it actually... It is the reason why we are allowed to even go hunting because mm-hmm. of the authority that it gives us. But now that we know a little bit about kind of where and from the regulation side to the emotions, what are you, Brian, gonna gonna take to really increase your chances of an actual harvest of a deer with your kid? Yeah, well, you can just go sit on the ground. Many a deer have been harvested just sitting on a tree or sitting on a hilltop. You want to follow the rules and regulations again. Don't sit in your vehicle. Don't right. shoot them out of your house. Correct. Know how far away you're supposed to be from roads. Go follow the rules and regulations. But there are things you can do that are pretty cost effective. One thing that I love to suggest for taking kids is to use hunting blinds. Mm-hmm. They're more comfortable. You can conceal a lot more movement. Is that expensive? Is so you expensive you can get a decent one for I'm gonna say, uh, like a hundred bucks. Okay. okay. You can get even pop up blind, or you can get even like you can get ones that are usable that may only last a season or two for fifty bucks. Oh, but okay. You can get a pretty decent pop up blind that can fit you and a child very easily and comfortably for a hundred dollars. Okay, that's good. It, that's it's good. pretty affordable. Mm-hmm. What's so great about them is they're really easy to move. And you're not climbing, so it's safer. You're not climbing up and down trees, getting in a tree stand. Right. So pop-up blinds are great. Um, bigger box blinds, people that have properties that are really meant for hunting, they have you know the, the $2,000 box blinds. Those are even better because you can talk inside them even because they're concealing scent, movement, sound, everything. So if you have opportunity to... to Get in a shooting house, even better. Right. Um, but you can use tree stands. I har- I harvested pretty much every deer that I've harvested out of a tree stand, uh, especially the ones that I shot in my early years. So right. you can use tree stands. Uh, so date. Bodie and I, we used a tree stand that one time that we yeah. went. But I took a camouflage blanket. Yeah, I actually perfect. did because when you're up in a tree, it is more windy mm-hmm. and it will feel more cold. Yeah. Whereas when you're in a blind... It is going to block some of that wind. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about colors as much because you're going to be concealed in that blind for the most part um, as long as you keep your movement down, right? So yeah. you can get away with the leg kicks and the tapping that sometimes the kids do of, of waiting patiently, right? The one <laughs> downside to blinds mm-hmm. is they really need to be out there and set up prior to the time you hunt. So typically I'm going to tell people about two weeks for deer to get used to them if they're passing close for like archery. You can maybe get one set up and br- do a really good job of taking natural things and brushing it in, yep. tying cedar and, and dead grass and things to it and brushing it in and get in in the next couple of days and during a firearm season harvest something from a distance. But it is hard to get them close to it with archery because they're so aware of their environment. When something's new there, they know. Right. It's like if I came and put a recliner in your living room, you'd be like, 
where the heck did this come from? I'd say you know? thank you because mine, I'm needing one. It's about that time. <laughs> well, you sure don't have a hard time sleeping in it. <laughs> That's true. But you, you get that blind out there, let it, let it get set up, let him get used to it. But that's another great experience, too. I recently took my son out to set up a hunting blind for mm-hmm. him. He, he's not old enough to hunt, but he wants to go with Dad this year. And I thought, you know what? Let's just go set a blind up. Even if we don't harvest anything, he'll get the experience. He absolutely loved. You know what his favorite part was? Trimming the limbs in the shooting lanes and dragging the brush off. He loved that part of it. But just getting a full understanding of what actually goes into hunting and what it requires to harvest an animal. But you can use tree stands too. Yeah, generally tree stands, like I said, a little more. You need to pay more attention to the safety side. It's going to cost more money. You do not have to. There's no law that says you have to have a harness on your shoulder. And there's no law that says you have to have the safety climbing rope. There's no laws on those things now. But here's what I'm going to tell you. No, I didn't use them when I was a kid because they weren't available, and I'm still good. However, they are available. They make them more affordable than they used to. I think you'd be crazy not to put them on your children. So many people fall out of tree stands, die paralyzed. If you're going to go up a tree, be willing and ready to spend the extra money on the safety equipment so that they don't fall and get injured. That's good. Yeah, I I have not fallen out of one yet, but there have been some close calls, and to not have a harness in some of those areas for me personally would be stupid, honestly, but to then take my kid and not protect them from that. Right. I, I would. Yeah. What I did as a child, I would not let my kids do Correct. today Correct. because of the equipment that is available. So mm-hmm. with all that being said, even if you buy a cheap ladder stand, say 150 bucks and you're not going to like that, <laughs> but you can get into one for that much. It's a two-person ladder stand. Literally, it's a ladder. You lean it up against a tree, strap it on, and two people can sit in it. Mm-hmm. A good one's going to be more like three or $400 that's comfortable and fits everybody well and doesn't creak and crack and has higher gauge metal. Plus the safety equipment from the safe line to the harness for you and your child. You're looking at like five, $600 for a good, safe, that's one tree stand setup, and it's a lot harder to move than the blind. The plus side of it is you can throw it up that day and hunt out of it if you want to. Gotcha. And that's, I mean, that does sound like a lot of money. Like Brian's saying, though, there are some that you can get away with. They will be comfortable even at the $150 range. However, I found that they don't last very long. Like mm-hmm. my parts, my steps, my the T-screws, everything that it comes with just doesn't hold up for very long. No matter what kind of tree stand you're using, though, if you're taking youth, I would suggest to take some sort of um, kind of cover. Uh, they sell burlap covers and burlap that's got like the fake cutout, looks like leaves. Mm-hmm. Get something that you can kind of place around that double band tree stand that will block some of your movement, your leg movement, the the hand movement, the things that that we all just have a hard time sitting still. So, so do kids and allow them to maybe move their legs for a minute. And you can do that by, by buying one of those. Right. There's, I think it's like 15 bucks or something for one of those. And if you really want to have fun, I shouldn't say that all of that is fun, but if you really want to take it to the, to, to the level of, of being a little more woodsman and I, as a teenager loved doing this, I still like doing it as an adult. Make your own blind. Yeah. And what I mean by that is literally go out the day before and find where you want to set and build a blind out of logs and cedars and grasses that are there. Brush in a blind, build your own. It's free. You're using the environment 
and build it big enough that you can sit in with your chairs. And I have I have killed many many deer. I've killed some big bucks out of just brush blinds. Yeah. I've I've chopped down a cedar branch and just thrown it on the ground in front of me and sat behind it and yeah. harvested deer. Yeah, no, uh, we've even done that for turkey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those are are some things. Um, you know, I guess I just want to. Make sure that you know how to use your equipment, whether it be the tree stand, whether it be the gun, whatever, all these things we're talking about. Make for sure that you as the the parent, the guardian, the the adult, yeah. make sure that you know how to use everything correctly before you ever take any. Don't out. let the first time you put your safety climbing harness on be the day that yeah. you go out there to hunt. And, and I think that don't let your bad habits become the kid's bad habits. That's That's what I would share there. Like... We all have bad habits. We all probably do things we we're not supposed to be mm-hmm. doing, but don't instill them in those kids, especially on their first trip. Like, make for sure that you have your stuff together. Make sure that you know how to use the equipment. Um, be ready to pass those things on to your children because they are going to pick up on it. They are watching. They are learning, especially as you're getting into your tens to eleven, twelve year olds, all up to fifteen. Like they, if they're out there with you, and all of they wanting to bond, they they're ready to learn, right. and so be ready. They are. Here's something for my son that I take um, because we have a blind, whether we built it or wrapped it around us, um, because we have because we have that, I take snacks, man. I take snacks. I take drinks as in water. I take them plenty of water. Um, I have I have taken hot chocolate before. It was super cold one morning. I forgot who it was. It was a cousin of mine, but we took some hot chocolate, and it like – is a game changer. I know that that can impact. Deer can smell that. But I, I'm there. I want to give any kid that I'm taking, I want them to be really comfortable. You know, I, if they're that uncomfortable that they never want to go again. It just reminds me of the horror stories when I hear people fishing. Like, they're saying, you know, we had to wear those old orange life jackets. The old orange ones that cut into your neck and they went under your crotch and they were uncomfortable and you're sitting in this hot boat. Like you hear these horror stories of this. And so it's like, well, then why are we still yeah, putting them in? Of course, people didn't want to go back yeah, again. Yeah, they don't want to yeah. go back again. So take snacks. Let your kids have a snack. Let let your kids make for sure you're for sure taking water. Yeah. Um, don't, but, put, don't put the harvest over the experience. Yes. If you need a little book. Now, I am going to tell you, Take your cell phone for an emergency, but don't pull it out and play on it. Don't let your don't kids let play video games in it. Paw Patrol while you're yes. Yeah. Read a, let them read a book, but have them be aware and teach them about full awareness, about really keeping your head on a swivel. Teach them where the deer usually come from. What direction are they coming from? I think that's one of the biggest benefits of hunting, Ben, getting them away from the phones, getting them away from the TVs, Letting them grow a natural awareness, growing woodsmanship. The best way to become a woodsman, to become an outdoors person and be good at it and comfortable is to spend time out there. But if you're disconnected because you still have technology in your hand, I mean, honestly, I used to to work in the hunting industry for a living. And I had to be on my phone working and sending emails while I was hunting and, and trying to film hunts. Like, it was a lot going on. And there were times you're completely unaware even though you think you are when you're doing that these deer would be right underneath me before i even knew it so yeah. if you have that phone out you aren't being aware whether you think you are or not so put all that away let them take in the sights sounds smells and breeze of creation and they are going to learn so much they're going to they you won't even be able to you can't put a value on right on being out there, right. just being there, taking it in. I think I found it under, under Mossy Oaks website, um, and this is kind of a little more younger than than 
It's actually more younger than what my son would want. But they had like some coloring sheets. They had some crossword puzzles and things for kids to fill out to get them prepared for hunting. But a cool thing that they had that I, I never thought of is if you're taking a kid out for the first time, they have it's it's actually just a it is a coloring sheet, but it's what did you see? Mm-hmm. And so maybe take a pen, take some paper, and have them write down or you write down them for them all the animals that they yeah. are seeing or when you're done with the hunt, what all did you see? Because reinforce you, that experience. Yeah, you yeah. may be going deer hunting, but there have been times where all I've seen is coyotes. I've seen then the days of squirrels where I've had squirrels literally come up, I turn around and like I'm looking yeah. eye to eye in the same tree as them. Like there are so many other things to see just besides deer as well. That is probably my favorite part about hunting and, and spending time in the deer was just not moving, just being relaxed in a blind or a stand is taking in. It's like this whole different world is happening around you and you're just there experiencing the squirrels, the birds, the, mm-hmm. the possums and armadillos that come out. You never know what you're going to experience out right. there. And that is probably one of my favorite things about being out there. And, and that's better than any science book. I think that your kid's probably going to learn so out too. of you bet. So let get them out there. A few other things I want to touch on before we wrap up here. Um, check out those youth seasons. Like we mentioned before, make sure you know when they're happening. Let your child choose what to harvest. What I mean by that is if they want to shoot a 60-pound yearling, let them. If they want to wait for a 150-inch 10-point, let them. If they want to shoot the spike, let them. If they want to shoot the promising two-year-old, let them. It is just an animal. It is not as valuable as the experience, as the harvest, and as the bonding that you're having with that child. So let them choose what they get to harvest, please. I, I, I think putting restrictions on them, as long as it is legal, uh, let them choose putting restrictions on them. It, it just takes away from the experience. They, You can add that in years to come as they get more. That's what I would say. Your first deer, yeah, let them. After I'd harvested a few doe, I remember my uncles were kind of challenging me like, hey, you know, step yeah, up, you boy. can step up and, and shoot a buck, but hey, think about this. Like, you might want to think about not just shooting the first buck you see, right. you know, but they're like, you can, but remember the longer you wait, the big one can come out. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of gave me a drive to wait until that eight point come out that I was, you know, I didn't just shoot the first fork and horn that I'd seen. Right. However, I have harvested several fork and yep. horns over my years. Absolutely. So. The other thing is if you are going out during deer seasons, even if you are not hunting, Please wear your hunter orange. Kids are hunting. There are kids. We're talking about kids going out with high caliber firearms. Or wear orange. You could do everything we've talked about. Literally set up the the planning, the prepping, everything. But instead of taking a firearm, you could take a camera. You could take your cell phone. These iPhones today are better than almost any camera. (laughs) But my point is, is you could literally do all this and... Just take some photos and spend some time there in the blind, eating the snacks, watching the wildlife. But no matter what you do outside during this time of year, whether you're going out just to hike, to backpack, to get some, uh, to watch birds, yeah. to, to, to take your dog hunt, for a walk, to take your dog for a walk, make for sure you're wearing hunter orange, both the hat and the vest. It protects you when you're on public property. You have no idea who's out there. I say even do it on private. Because you have no idea who's out there. We've got some family land that um, there are people that cross over onto. And if you're going to do that, 
you better wear orange. Uh-huh. Better yeah. wear orange. That's, that's you mentioned important. public and private there. Mm-hmm. That that's another thing too. There, if you don't have a place to go, public land during youth season is great because there's not as many people out there. So find public land near you to go hunt. We're blessed to live in Missouri. We have quite a bit of public land, quite a bit close to us if we need to go to it. Go out there again before you go. Scout. Know where you're going. Mm-hmm. Don't go out there on a whim and say, oh, this looks good. Know where you're going. Have a plan. Private land is easier to obtain for youth season for kids than it is for adults. So if you have neighbors that have land or you know somebody's grandpa that has land that's an hour or two away, ask, hey, I'm wanting to get my kid out and and deer hunt with them during right. youth season. Can I go? Right. So many times they'll say yes, so many times because mm-hmm. people are more passionate about passing these traditions that we're talking about on to the youth than they are for adults. And that may be that may be your segue in as an adult as you go and they see that you're respectful and trustworthy with your kid going, you may get to go hunt there too. So don't be afraid to ask. The worst they can say is no. I mean, that is the worst that can happen is that they say no. It may Great. be a lifelong bond and friendship that you form there and an uh, awesome place to go hunt. Mornings are evenings. So deer are crepuscular, meaning they're most active dawn and dusk. So that's kind of the decision. Do you get your kid up early before first light and take them out? Or do you go late afternoon and watch the sun set? Being in the woods during dark is kind of an unsettling feeling. Being in the woods when it's dark before the sun comes up when it's 17 degrees isn't really very comfortable. So I would say whatever you think your kid can handle and enjoy. If they're going to hate it, if they're going to be miserable, if they're going to be so scared they can't stand it, then pick another option. The evenings are a great way to introduce them for their first hunt because they're going out while it's still daylight. They get familiar with where they are. They'll walk in. That way when it is dark, and usually you're walking out when there's just a little bit of light left, they're more comfortable than going in in that dark kind of blind. So evening hunts are great way to start kind of ease into those morning hunts because it can be a little more tough. It isn't fun for kids to get up at four in the morning and walk through the woods at dark. And unless these kids have their center hunter's education card certificate, um, you can't just drop them off and let them go in. Correct. So you need to be you with have them. to be with them, which means you will be guiding, leading them, taking them. And, and you should be, you know, yeah. if they have completed that and they're between, you know, I'm thinking 10, uh, it is 10 up to, is it 15, um, you know, they may be old enough for you to drop them off, to drop them off yeah. and let them go out, but lead the way first, be there. If it's cold, yeah. then and you if need they, to go be in the cold If they want too. you to go with them, then go yeah, with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't say, Hey, no, you're Heck going. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> Eventually they'll get there to where they want to go by themselves. Um, another thing is definitely consider the weather, uh, they probably aren't going to want to or be able to handle the extremes that you can handle as an adult. Experienced hunters are, are can be pretty tough people. They put up with wind and cold and rain, and they sit out there for hours and hours and kind of that mental fortitude to get over, I can't feel my my fingers or my hands or that I'm, my stomach's rumbling and I'm hungry. That's not really where all kids are. They can get there. You can ease into that stuff. But if it's, if it's super, super cold and, and blowing windy snow, maybe consider setting that hunt out and taking them at a time that they're going to be more comfortable. You want them to want to come back with you. It is about passing on tradition, not making them jaded where they never want to go again. That's good. That's good. Ben, 
I know I have some awesome youth hunting memories. Again, I think you maybe were right on the line or a little too old to experience when youth season really started, mm-hmm. but I know that you started hunting at an early age. Do you have any like youth deer hunting memories that really stick out to you that maybe can can sh- send a message to our listeners? You know, <laughs> the one that always comes to mind always, it was my very first doe. Um, I think I was 12. That's what I... I need to go back and ask my family because I, I truly don't remember my age, but I think it was 12. But I remember we were, my uncle and I had went out, um, my uncle Dusty had took me out and we were looking for deer. We went to a spot and never saw any deer. And it was on our way leaving that spot in the vehicle to his grandma's house that we looked out in some pasture out there on some of, of our family land and there were some doe coming at us towards the road. And so he literally does a UE, goes back, says, get out, <laughs> which I had my hunters and I had everything. It was all legal. He said, hunt out, hop over the fence and just wait. They're going to come to you. And so I saw him go back. He parked at my grandma's house and I'm down here in this draw down here, this, this holler down here hanging out. But the reason that I remember this is because I had to pee so bad, <laughs> so bad that I was like, I really couldn't sit still. I, I was nervous. You didn't know what to do, huh? I didn't know what to do. I was nervous. I had to go so bad that I remember that I was like, I just have to go. And so I had turned, literally turned my back and then went to that tree. It was a sycamore. And I went. And in the process of doing that, here they came. <laughs> and so it was this quick trying to to get from that to the, it was a 30-30. Yeah. But um, long story short, I harvested my first doe. Um, she, I picked... I don't know why I picked the bigger one. I think they kind of told me look for the bigger doe out yeah. of them. Um, but I remember I shot at the one that I thought was bigger. Um, thought I missed. I remember I shot. Didn't see where it went. It was crazy. Went up. Got my uncle. Thought I missed. And then he came down with me and helped me with one very far away. Yeah. But it was just so fast. But what, I remember. What was the feeling, though, with that harvest? Like, how did you feel about yeah. the first? I, not, you, you had probably harvested animals before, but. Large game's a little different. When it you is. walk up deer, yeah. to me, it's my favorite animal. They are beautiful. They're, there's something majestic and intriguing about them. What was that feeling, that first harvest you know, like for you? Well, hunting in those days, it was really just to please. In those days? Are you 80? Well, that's what I'm saying. There's a difference between those for days. For you? For me. Okay. Because back during that age, for me, I was hunting for my grandpa and my uncles. Like... I wanted them to be proud of me. I wanted to to make them proud. I wanted to be one of the men, you know, that's that's why I did it. And I had to reevaluate once I got older, why am I doing this? And am I going to keep doing this? Because no longer do they give a hoot. <laughs> you know, like if you're going and you're harvesting a dough for, for your food, like, woohoo, you know, there's no praise. There's no well done, lad. It's all done. Yeah. You're, you're old now. So. Why do you keep doing it? And that that was kind of a weird transition for me. But as being young, I'm getting that praise of well done, lad. Uh, that feels good. It does. And it does I didn't really feel bad about the the kill. Like it wasn't an emotional thing of like, what did I do? That wasn't until I really got uh, hunting on my own and no one around. And mm-hmm. it's just you and this animal and you're trying to drag it out of there. Like the whole process of yeah. that. So, But yeah, the youth hunting side. Definitely spending time with both my grandfather um, and uncles. Yeah. yeah. Spending time with family in the yeah. outdoors. That's true. I think we, we drive that home every podcast. Absolutely. We're going we're gonna to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my 
I have several youth hunting memories, but the one I want to share today that I don't think I've shared on any episode before, so I'm, I want to share this one, and it's a very, uh, very strong memory for me. My dad had always told me that the first branch antlers, so like I've always shot these little tiny four-point and spike, like if I was to hold out for that first branch antler, like eight-point or bigger, that he would get it mounted for me, taxidermy. Mm, wow. And so... This was my last year of youth. I was 15 years old. Uh-huh. A couple special things that stick out and remember to me. I remember my dad now trusting me enough to put down my 30-30 and use his 7-millimeter Magnum, big, beautiful black walnut stock, bolt action, like the big gun. The big gun. Like I, I remember, one, it was his, and he mm-hmm. really takes care of his stuff, so he trusts me to take care of it. And I was like, I'm big enough, strong enough, which I was a scrawny, I was scrawny, <laughs> really scrawny. But I was 15. I'm big and bad. I could take this big gun. So I got to take his big gun. I got to go by myself. And I was holding out for, I was going to get that branch handler buck. I was going to get that taxidermy in my last year of youth hunt. Picked my own spot, set my stand up. I remember walking out there. And again, it's usually the beginning of the rut, youth season. And as that sun came up, I heard crashing way out in the woods in front of me across this field, probably more too far away that I was, the the rifle was capable, but I wasn't capable of shooting that far. And I see this buck chasing this doe through there and I can see the antlers and I'm like processing, am I going to be able to do this? It's so far away. Well, next thing I know, they're like sprinting as hard as they can straight at me. Wow. Wow. And when she gets to me, 30 yards in front of me, she stops. And here he comes right behind her, and he stops, and it's an eight-point buck. And I took that big rifle, and I dropped him right where he stood. And I just remember, like, I don't know. I felt like I will probably what went in the Super Bowl feels like. Feels <laughs> yeah. like. I was so elated. Mm-hmm. I could not wait to tell my dad, which this was before cell phones. We maybe had a two-way radio. I don't even remember how I told him. But to go get him and tell him, hey, I got one that you're going to have to mount, you know, which I thought it was so, this is the funny part. Awesome. Harvest. Dropped it. Dad, again, he's so proud. You get that, that a boy stuff. That felt so good. I thought it was such a huge buck. (laughs) And you've seen it. It's in my garage. It ain't huge. It is tiny. It is a tiny eight point, but I was like, I got this eight point. Like I thought I'd really done something, but just lack of understanding. But it was huge in that moment. It was huge for me. So and it's again, let them choose. Kind of decent for your area, to be honest with you. Decent for my area, yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah. in my mind, it was just this monster buck. And right. today, I would, I would, I would let this buck pass. Yes probably ten times out of ten today. Yeah. But it was awesome then, and uh, got to get could shoot it with the big gun at the time and just all those things that go into that you can do those things for your kids or kids that you you know too so so find a way to take them um if you want to and if they want to go again don't force them right god made us hunters i think it is important to embrace it god wants us to know where our food came from Mm -hmm. and i i want to reference the bible kind of when this really first came about because i do think even as christians there's a lack of understanding meat eating wasn't in the beginning now it's in Genesis because Genesis starts, I mean, the first 11 chapters of Genesis pretty much lay out yeah. really everything. But it is when when you see Noah coming off of the ark and, and God is telling them, you know, go, go fill the land and multiply. That's really when he gives the okay 
to eat. We see Noah getting off the ark and he says to his sons, be fruitful, multiply. And that was really uh, when the verse Genesis 9-3 comes out and he says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. Mm-hmm. God was basically saying, fire up the grill, baby. Get it going. Get, Get it your hot. baby back ribs going. Uh, so he made us He made us to do that. He gave us the instructions early on in the Bible. There's several other verses you can look up that, that make food okay to eat. I will say this. There's also stuff in the Bible, um, verses in the Bible. I don't have them directly referenced. Don't use it to alienate someone else. Mm-hmm. If you are having guests over that are totally against hunting, don't serve venison. Right. Don't do it. Don't right. do a ha-ha, served you venison. Don't trick them. Yeah. What kind of hamburger was that you yeah, just ate? Yeah, don't use it. <laughs> don't use it like yeah. that. You. That that really isn't okay either. No, it's not. It, no. Isn't, it isn't okay either. But get your family out, enjoy time in the outdoors. We've covered a lot, and there's probably more to cover on this topic. Just hear our hearts and hear our passions that we want kids to go out and experience hunting. Don't be scared of it. If you're doing it the right way, if you care and you're diligent, it's very, very safe. It really is. I think people have a lot of fear of the unknown. They do. It is safe, especially with everything we're making today. The equipment is just Mm -hmm. so much safer than it's ever been. It's definitely safer than when we were kids. It is, yeah. But remember this, an hour in the woods is longer than not going at all. Yeah. So... Even if you only go out 30 minutes, get your kids out, spend 30 minutes, see the sunrise mm-hmm. come up, and then if it's time to go in, then go in. Absolutely. But 30 minutes is longer outside than staying in, period. Like, it's it's so much better. 30 minutes is, is very beneficial. Get out there half a day. Like Brian said, you can do morning or evening. If you want to be real crazy, spend the entire day. Been there, done that. That's right. For sure. If there's any way that Ben and Brian here at Meant to Be Outdoors can help you, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from people. We'd love to help. Meant to be, or excuse me, m to be outdoors at gmail.com is the best way to reach us by email. You can direct message us on Facebook or Instagram. Follow along on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll probably have some updates as our hunting seasons go on. Uh, youth season is just about to start. We're going to wish Bodie and Ben some good luck. Hopefully they get to harvest Bodie's first deer. We'll yes. be so ready to celebrate oh, if you do. We'll God. fire up that grill, right? Also, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you listen we would love and appreciate so much it's the easiest way to support us if you just leave us a review and a rating it helps us to move up share with friends and family if you like any of our episodes we would love to get some of these messages out we're very passionate about them we want to help impact more people for good we will be back next week with a brand new episode until that time we hope that you remember you are meant to be outdoors Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.